Let's talk a little Georgia athletics, baseball and football in particularly with Jeff Dantzler of the Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Dantzler TV. And we always appreciate Jeffrey being with us. You get to go to the homestead tomorrow night. I mean, Wednesday night, don't you? Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, we're the barnstorming Bulldogs right now. Just uh, <laughs> played Tech, Athens, Atlanta, Gwinnett, and now play Georgia Southern and North Augusta and then Statesboro. So it's spring break and certainly looking forward to it. So it, it, it's a lot of fun. As we said, Bill, it's that time of year. Plus, I'm cruising through Five Points right now, buddy. It's 76 degrees. It's awesome. Oh, man. And eight, year, eight weeks ago, what happened? 65-7, to seven, Georgia beat TCU to win a second straight national championship eight weeks ago today. Damn right. Damn right. All right. Pretty good weekend against the Yellow Jackets. Uh, one, two of three. I know they had some people out, but still good offensive showing for the dogs. And, boy, Charlie Condon named the SEC Baseball Co-Player of the Week. He had himself a pretty good week, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. Uh, Charlie uh, went 0 for 4 in his first game, and uh, since then, uh, young Mr. Condon there is riding himself a 10-game hitting streak, and he's got 20 RBIs. So he is terrific. He's, he's a first baseman by trade, but has played both corner outfield spots, and uh, he's got a chance to really be a special player. And th- this Georgia lineup yesterday was was the first time we had really been shut down all year. Lost yesterday 4-1 in the finale. But this is a good lineup, uh, one through nine. And, and the big key, the last two weekends, that Jaden Woods and Liam Sullivan, who are the top two starters, both were outstanding in their start. So those two combined have had four straight great starts. And when you get into SEC play, you play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three games. And it's just essential to get those good starts, especially in the first two, uh, to, to set up that bullpen for the rest of the series. Absolutely, no doubt. It's good to see those guys getting the, the good pitching performances. But, boy, we're seeing a lot of offense so far from – it looks like everybody's just hitting the ball. Is, is yeah. it usually this way where the hitting's in front of the pitching? No. There's a lot of conjecture going around thinking maybe the ball's juiced up a little bit right now mm. because the, the the bats, they've actually settled in. And, and, and we went through about a four- or five-year period where they were going up and then down. I mean, Bill, you can appreciate this being a broadcaster. One year, I'm saying, like, there's a long fly ball, and it doesn't even make it to the track. Then, you know, <laughs> the two years before that, you say, well, this ball's popped out into right, and it's out of here. It, you know, it's, <laughs> so we finally got kind of got used to it with the bats. But it, it, now that I say it, there's some talk. The balls might be a little bit juiced. Yesterday, in the first inning, Connor Tate hit a ball that we thought was going back to those apartment complexes at the Gwinnett compound there, and it didn't even make the warning track. So wow. you don't know, but yet the numbers are up. One of the big things, though, too, Bill, and I know nobody covers Braves better than you do, it's an epidemic in college and in the majors, too, just the number of pitching injuries and the Tommy mm-hmm. John, and I don't know what caused the switch. Heck, we could probably do – 10 shows on this but remember back when we were coming up in the 80s it was always the rotator cuff it was the shoulder yeah uh, it's the, and i don't know if it's if it's over usage at a young age and, and everybody tells you play different sports different sports but just so many teams 
it, it, it is across the board deal with pitching injuries. I mean, it's unfortunately with a lot of guys, it's it's kind of like I, I started saying about tailbacks with ACLs. It's not an if, but but a when. And yep. um, hopefully that's a trend that we can reverse, my friend. Well, you're right. I mean, there there was uh, a, a kid for the Twins that got shut down with the UCL issue. One of the Phillies' top prospects got shut down. We Russ and I always joke about the fact that in March we hold our breath for Tommy John injuries, and in August it's ACL. You know, with football mm-hmm. practice getting started and everything, but it seems like every every spring we have that, and it's a it's a different game for sure. And they they want more offense, and I think. By hell or high water, we're getting it in college and the and the major leagues. No, I, I think you're right, and that there's so many factors that go into this too, and with, with, with the specialized pitching, and and I, I've known it too. And you know, baseball goes through trends; it's all cyclical. But the number of strikeouts, the, the number of walks, you know, the number of home runs. I know I, I call a lot fewer. There's a grounder to short, and on the first in time, it's a lot more strike three swinging or strike three looking, and and, yep. and so much of it is just it's kind of the swinging for the fences. I think, and I think back to when I was a light hitting, weak arm, sure glove, little league second baseman. <laughs> we need to bring the shape of the strikeout back. You know, it, it used to be a horrible thing to strike out. Now it's no big deal, but put the ball in play. And, and my goodness, Bill, you know, growing up, I know you were the same way. The worst thing in the world you could do was take a called third strike. It was too close to take, but it's it's just a different era right now, but all it's going to take is somebody to win it in college or the majors, kind of going back and, and do it in a different way, and, and, and it'll cycle back around. Jeff, how how many rules are now involved in college baseball compared to what we're seeing and getting ready to see when the season starts in the major leagues? I mean, are, are, have they clamped down on the time, and, and really how strict are they about those things? They've been strict. They've clamped down, and it's sped up the game. And it's one of those things, but I always joke, and I think you and I have talked, I used to know what a catch was back in the 80s. But now, you know, the continuation, making the football move. Like, I used to know the rules of baseball pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there have been some called third strikes on guys not being in the box. There have been some ball fours on the pitch clock going down. Uh, The the way we can summarize it, uh, Dave Johnson, who does a great job as my sidekick for baseball, Dave is tremendous. And Mm -hmm. uh, we had said for you these games were lasting way too long, and it was the stepping off, the stepping out, you know, taking 45 seconds to, to get ready, getting in the box. And it's one of those things, it, it's kind of like the kids. If you don't police yourself, the parents are going to come in or Big Brother's going to come in, and they're going to put in some rules you don't like. Well, well yep. the bottom line is I mean, these games have just been taking too long, and then we could do another five shows, Bill, on, on replay. I mean, to me, I, replay across the board ought to be you get two challenges, and if you can't tell within 10, 15 seconds, you move on. That was the yeah. original purpose of it. To, to, you know, basically you could look at the Jumbotron and say, oh, he dropped the ball. Or I'm thinking about Don Deckinger, like, oh, no, he was clearly out yeah. at first base by a step and a half. And that's what yeah. it was put in for, not, you know, to go over nanoseconds and, and tenths of inches there. But all that stuff together has really slowed the game down. But these new rules, and I know a lot of players have been outspoken, not liking it, but, 
it has sped things up, and unfortunately, we, we, we kind of did this to ourselves as a game. Well, you're right. The umpires were, were not man enough and have the guts enough to tell people to get their butt in their box and exactly. to do what they needed to do. And, and that, that the, the umpiring deficiencies is what has hurt baseball more than anything because you're right. Now they have forced these things on here because umpires don't have the guts to tell a batter to get in the box or to tell a pitcher to throw the ball or, you know, it, it, to, to call the strikes without having to – let the catcher move his glove, which is driving me crazy. But anyway, it, it is uh, it, it is a different game, and you're and you're right. The, the the replay is to affirm what the umpires on the field did, not to get the play right. It's a different thing. That's exactly right. And and, and the thing is too, what I've said in college, and I'm always careful about this because a coaches would strangle me, and b uh, I'm going to wish away. There's going to be a terrible call that'll cost Georgia a game, but. Uh, the, the the rate of overturn for replay is in the single digits, and oh. to me that the game is so popular and we love it so much. And you know, you, you got Georgia versus Tech, Clemson versus South Carolina. It's fantastic, but the, the pace of play is more important than getting the call right. And I, I, I would be willing to suffer through, air quotes there, not having replay, even if that means every now and then you get hosed because of the pace of play. And I, I just I think it's a huge problem. And it'd be one thing if, if half the calls were getting overturned, but they're not. So I just think that the, the system ought to be in baseball, and I would say this for the majors too, you get one challenge a game, and you better be, if you want to use it in the second inning on a bang-bang play, you, you really better be sure on it. But like at, a, at Georgia, you know, obviously college doesn't have all the technology. The umpires will get together, then they'll decide, and then two of them have to go sprinting you know, down the right field line, go back through a side door into our clubhouse, and then you have to link up. And it's going to take at least five minutes, and, man, does it just kill, absolutely kill the pace of play of the game. So I just uh. – I, I, again, I, to me, replay ought to be something, like you say, to affirm it. And I think what you just said was spot on, Bill. And, and it ought to be able to be done – in, in way under a minute. Yeah, it's it's not about whether the umpires are right or wrong. It's about what is the correct call on the field. There's there's a difference. And right. I, I I hate that the major league managers or someone have has not just absolutely gone bonkers during the meetings and the winter meetings or whatever to try to really say we need to fix this because they don't seem like they do. And and uh, I think no, they may. It, it, I, I, go ahead. No, no, I, you're exactly right, Bill. And, you know, I think about it sometimes, too. I've seen, and we've been on both sides of it, if you got a pitcher going good and it's a bang-bang play, I've seen a review and the umps are back there for 10 minutes. I'm like, That's you know, ridiculous. let's say if it was us who did it, our guy's throwing a two-hitter and it's two to nothing. We don't need a 10-minute delay with him out on the mound right now. Yeah. No, it should it should not be that difficult, but they they've made it difficult, and that that's a shame. Yes. Jeff Dancer, our guest, uh, talking Georgia athletics. All right, I know you were busy with baseball all weekend long, but I know you you kept a little bit of an eye on what was going on in Indianapolis with the dogs at the combine. Sounds like everybody they all did well for themselves, didn't it? Yes, it, it really did, and you know I I think to me Georgia's got five guys who should be locked 
to be first-round picks, and that's obviously Carter, Smith, Dolan Smith, and Keely Ringo off the defense. And Chris Smith, by the way, is going to be a great steal for somebody in the mid-rounds. And then on offense, Roderick Jones and Darnell Washington. I know. I mean, how many times, I know for my fellow Georgia fans out there, just go back and watch highlights of the wins. You see Darnell just, just mauling a guy, you know, pushing him back 10, 15 yards. I mean, I think about Bowers on a catch in the national title game. Uh, speaking of it, how about Brock's block on the first touchdown of the year? <laughs> or on McConkey's reverse touchdown run against uh-huh. Mississippi State, Darnell drives a guy like 15 yards. I think in the national title game, it was on the first TD drive of the second half. I counted off. We, we just ran a little toss to Brock, and, and I think he pushed his guy 17 yards down the field. So my, my buddy Frank Frangie, who calls the Jags games, uh-huh. I texted him, and I said, Frank's a good friend, and I said, Frank, draft Darnell Washington. I'm, I'm just telling you, Trevor's six foot six, Darnell's six eight. Those two guys together would be lethal. And he said, I said, we need a tight end, and I agree with you 100%. So, you know, somebody, a lot of times with a tight end, he can be kind of that, that cherry on top. It's the one position you can live without having a great one. But if you do have a great one, what a threat that is. But I, I just think Darnell Washington has got a chance to be an, an absolute steal for somebody middle-late first round. Well, and that's funny you say that. And, and the Jaguars have just uh, franchised Evan Ingram, had a great year for them last year. Boy, that would be unbelievable for them if they had. Now Calvin Ridley has just been reinstated. They've got Zay Flowers. They've got Christian Kirk. And that they had Evan Ingram and Darnell Washington. And and we were talking about that earlier with the Falcons, Russ and I, on the show, Jeff, because, look, um, how can you not be tempted to put him with someone like an Evan Ingram or a Kyle Pitts, knowing what he did with Brock Bowers these last two seasons at Georgia? 100% 100% agree uh, for, for the teams that probably have the most interest from our listener base. And Ingram is more of a quote-unquote receiving tight end. Pitt right. more of a, a receiving type tight end. Darnell is a big-time tight end who does both equally well. And there's so many teams that go with the, the one-back, two-tight end look now and I, I know for me, and, and Bill, you've known me a long time, I, I'm a tailback, run the football guy. Uh, the, the key to happiness in life is throwing when you want to, not when you have to. But my favorite run plays would be when we would bring Darnell in motion and have him block down and run behind him. You know, yeah. that, that's one of those, if you're that linebacker safety coming up, Baby, you're going for ankles right there when number zero is oh, coming at you. I, so I just I, I can't I, imagine. I, I, I tell I, you, I, I just cannot imagine that kind of setup. I, I just would be shocked if someone drafts him that does not already have an impactful tight end because they're going to look at that tape of what those two did together on that Georgia offense and say, holy crap, absolutely. And I, I would think someone like Arthur Smith – who wants to run the ball anyway, uh, would really be interested in that. So we'll see. But there's no doubt Darnell is uh, – he's a first-rounder. I don't think there's any oh, doubt that he, he made himself first-round money with that performance, don't you think? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, when he went out and ran that 40 time, and like we've said before, Bill, one of the great things and maddening things about the draft, if you're a Falcons fan, I'm sure it's maddening, there is so much time between the national title game and the draft. These teams talk themselves in and out of things. If the draft, if they did it like the NBA, like if the draft was on February 1st, there'd be a lot fewer mistakes made by teams. Like I can remember, like Zach Wilson had a good combine, and they were actually, you know, maybe it was talking heads and there's disinformation, misinformation. Well, has he potentially passed Trevor Lawrence? And I'm just thinking like, (laughs) no, he hasn't passed. I mean, this guy, Trevor's the best pick since Andrew Luck. There's no way. But then you start thinking there might be a GM or two if they had that pick who would have possibly talked themselves into it. And that's where the the Falcons, when you just – I mean, I can't think of how many games it's been Georgia and LSU or Georgia and Alabama in the game where the Falcons play, and you've got 30 first-rounders over the next four years and probably 30 guys getting picked in this draft, and they're going to take a guy from Montana State and San Jose State, and if you're a Falcons fan, <laughs> it's got to drive you nuts. My buddy Robbie Kirk not only lives and dies with Georgia, but also with the Falcons, and I say, y- you got to lessen the, the denominator, not increase the numerator, but his point was always, when we were t- well, maybe they could trade down and get the picks, or it actually hurt them to beat the Saints. Like, no, no, no. It, it's one thing to get the picks and my buddy Robbie would always say we're going to mess up the pick anyway so it doesn't matter <laughs> now, maybe this new regime will do better but I just you know it'll, it'll definitely I think for longtime Falcons fans it'll be a Missouri you, you got to show me before you start to believe it right Bill I know I'm with no I'm with you we, again we were talking the first hour about uh, two players that are, are either going to get released or traded. Leonard Floyd is going to get let go by the Rams. And you wonder, since he has been a sack master for the Rams the last three years, if they would look at him. And Russ said there are rumors out this afternoon that Nick Chubb might get traded. And, my God, how can oh. they not look at that as a possibility with Chubb not being 30, not being at that magic number, Jeff, but at 27 years old? He's got three good years left in him. No, I completely agree. And just the way Nick runs, he his lifespan is going to be longer than the average back as well. But for anybody, if you're talking about having that missing piece and that cherry on top, and, and, and let's just say, I'm not even going to go with the Falcons, let's say the Jags did something and they drafted Darnell Washington and traded for Nick Chubb. Now you're talking about going not just the favorite to win the AFC South, then you talk about maybe being in the conversation with Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. Would, would right. you agree with that? Absolutely. No question. I mean, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence is a star, and we saw that in yeah. the postseason. We saw it late in the year. I don't think anybody from around here should be surprised by that. We saw it in, at Cartersville. We saw it at Clemson, and he is doing it in Jacksonville. And you put more people around him and protect him with that offensive line, which they've got to do. I, I, I think they can get by with their their improving defense uh, including Trayvon, to, to get that team to another level. And we would be right there. I'm, I'm with you. I think it would be unbelievable. But, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a hot stove league out of control right now with all these, all these <laughs> player moves. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? 
It really is. And, and I find it funny, too, when people throw stuff out there. And, and half of it's coming from agents who want their players going to certain teams but not to others. Half of it's from teams. They, they might put some bad mojo and juju out on, on a player that they want. Let's say they're picking ninth and he's selected and he's predicted to go in the top five. And then just with, with the, the combine is – to me, more of an affirmation. The teams that draft based on the combine more than game tape, i.e. how good they were in college, are the bad teams. So, again, you go out and watch, you know, pick out, say, the Georgia-Ohio State game. If somebody played really good in that game, chances are they're going to be a really good pro. Mm-hmm. Well, and to, to that end, are you drinking the Anthony Richardson Kool-Aid? no. No, no, no. It is flowing right now heavily, isn't it? It's crazy out of control. It is flowing like uh, Papa Joe's on nickel night back in 1987. Uh, It is, I mean... Anthony Richards is a tremendous athlete. Is he a guy you could, like what Atlanta did with Desmond Ritter, maybe you take a flyer? But to me, if if you're drafting somebody in the first round, your mindset needs to be, we think this guy is going to be a perennial pro bowler. And if you're drafted in the top ten, you need to be thinking, this guy is a potential future Hall of Famer. And a lot of times teams go, go more with, with need than they do with just taking the best player. Like when the Falcons took Jamal Anderson over Adrian Peterson and Patrick Willis. Um, at the quote-unquote the sexy positions, and I was screaming at the television in Oxford, Mississippi with the Georgia baseball team, and then Patrick got picked one pick later. Uh, But I digress. But (laughs) if you take – if you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, your thinking should be, all right, this is our guy for the next 12 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. How could anyone have watched Florida play and say – all right, we're going to take this guy, and he's going to be our guy for the next 12 to 15 years. That's not to say he might not turn out to be a good pro, but there is no way he should be taken in the first round, or, or, or certainly as a top 10 pick. I, I, Will Levis is in the same boat to me. I, I, I don't see how you can take that guy in the top 10, but yeah. somebody will because they've got the measurables, and then you want that fine line between arrogance and confidence because there's some QB coach out there. What's he saying, Bill? I can, I can make it work. Yep. Yes, yes. I can make him Josh Allen. I can, I can take that mold of clay and make him a star. And I, I, I'm with you, though. I still would want to see performance. I'd want to see, well, what did he do against Georgia? What did Will Levis do against Georgia? And I know Georgia's defense was off the world, uh, off the charts, just all world this year. But, my God, you still want to see some some performance and some production. We didn't see it against Georgia with either one of those guys this year. No, you know who we did see it with the last two years? Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Yeah. And – that those Georgia defenses, just like those Bama defenses, and, and that's where the, the shrewd scouts get it. That's as close as you get to an NFL defense. I mean, let, let, let's face it. That's you know, prime Alabama, prime Georgia defenses. Every one of those starters is going to get drafted. So you're essentially looking at a future NFL defense. If you can produce against those defenses, you're a dude. 
Yeah. No, I'm with you. I agree. I I pray to God they're gone by the Falcons pick because I'm scared to death that Arthur Smith's going to be one of those cocky coaches that you talked about that could say, oh, there's my guy. I'm going to make him a star, and I don't want that to happen for sure. Hey, great stuff, Jeff. Uh, we'll talk to you tonight. You'll be on with uh, uh, the, the talk show tonight, right, Bulldogs Live? Yes, it's yeah, we got a great character. Our softball coach, Tony Baldwin, they're seventeen and five. By the way, he's going to be on, and then it's me and KB minus the bacon wrapped shrimp for about twelve minutes. So, be a lot of football talk. Hey, I want to throw one more thing out there too. Congratulations, yeah. Georgia's women's tennis coach Jeff Wallace got his eight hundredth career win yesterday. He's had a great career, no question about that. Congratulations to him. And, yeah, the spring sports are doing pretty well uh, there in Athens town. Jeff, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Hey, favorite part of the week, my friend. You're the best.